So I want to read to you uh, this morning from the Gospel of Luke. It's the 12th chapter, and it begins with the 32nd verse. Jesus has been um, talking a lot. He's been challenging the, the religious leaders, and it's getting pretty heated. Like in the 11th chapter, uh, at the end of that, it's, it's basically, it says the Pharisees and Sadducees are now testing him and plotting against him and, and all this sort of thing. So it's starting to get a little bit heated. And in the 12th chapter of Luke, it really turns to this series of talks from Jesus to his followers about not being afraid, about not worrying about anything. And I just, as I, as I re-looked at this through this lens of fear and faith, I began to wonder if he was sensing that the people who were following him were getting afraid, were fearful for their own lives, because... As we well know, um, and maybe we don't remember, in this period of time in history, if you were a leader who led some sort, who was seen as an insurrectionist, who was going against the Roman government, what happened to you? Yeah, they killed you. I mean, the great Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, was held by an iron fist. I mean, they were an occupied people. And so that is how it stayed that way. And so imagine, yes, you're hearing this great teacher. Wow, this is amazing teaching. God is blessing us. God is with us, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe this guy's going to lead us. And then all of a sudden, they start to get resistance, even from their own people. I think you can begin to see how they might be afraid. So maybe Jesus is sensing that they are fearful. And he begins talking about not, about not worrying about your life, about not having fear. So, in, in, um, starting with verse 32, he continues in that theme. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give alms, make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, very good, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Here ends the reading. So I want you to imagine for a minute that you're in your backyard and you've got, I don't know, 12 friends with you and you just, you know, some good things have been going on in your life and, and um, it's not, it's not so as bloody hot as it's been in Richmond and so you're actually able to be outside in the evening and, and you know, you're, maybe you're sharing a glass of wine and just talking about things and, and maybe making some toast. I mean, just really enjoying yourselves and all of a sudden someone walks in and they're pointing a gun at you. 
and they're asking for your money. And typical of Americans, all, of it, all anybody has is credit cards. Right? So there's no money for this robber. And things are beginning to get tense. Fear begins to take over. The guy who's holding the gun is probably fearful that now he's going to be found out that because he's, he's not getting any money, that, that things are going wrong. And so I'm sure his, you know, his blood's starting to boil a little bit. He's wondering what's going to happen here. How is he going to get these people to give him some money? This was, this was his plan somehow that, that, that they were the ones who were going to, who were going to, whatever he needed. And the people who were there, they've gone from a celebration and a joy to a fear of, well, what's going to happen next? And so they, so they start, start trying to shame him. What would your mother think about what you're doing here? Always a good one to pull out, you know. He says, I don't have a mother. Ooh, fear ratchets up, right? They try a few other things like this. You know, and it's just tit for tat, each thing sort of taking up the fear a little bit more. And nobody knows what's going to happen because everybody is afraid. You ever feel like that? Just in your everyday life? I I don't know if you've ever been held at gunpoint. I know some, some people that have and lived. I know some people who've been abducted and they've lived. It changes you. It changes you. Fear, and especially that kind of fear, it changes you fundamentally in some ways. You, 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 have, you have to really reimagine your life if you're going to come out on the other side of that and be, and be whole again. But even just for, that, for those, what we might call now, run-of-the-mill kind of fears... All we need to do is, is turn on the television, turn on the radio, um, open up your email, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's right there. You can, you can get a healthy dose of fear at any moment. We wonder why people are on so many anxiety medicines. Wow. It, I mean, it's not a hard diagnosis on, in some ways, you know? You just keep pumping in that fear factor. Your body changes. You change. And I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know whatever. I don't know what your political affiliations are. And I don't even think it matters right now. There's a lot of fear in our country. And we live in one of the safest places in the world. I mean... Their, their violent crime is down tremendously in the past 20 years. Now, would we love to have zero? Great. But we don't have that, but down incredibly. All kinds of other indicators of violence and whatever are, are down. And yet, I know just in talking with many of my friends and, and many of you that, that we're, we're afraid. We're fearful that something's going to happen to us or to our children. On some regular basis, we're afraid of that. 
And we joke about helicopter parents, but, you know, I mean, I think we've, in some ways we've created that because we, just, we pump ourselves full of somebody's going to take my kids, somebody's going to do something to them, somebody's going to hurt them. So I need to be within eyesight of them at all times, even when they go to college, you know? I mean, it's a little, it's a little crazy what fear can do to us. And I don't think it's just fear, but that, that's part of it. And so fear, fear can fundamentally fundamentally change us in some ways. Fear, I mean, and, 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 it's, and it's, a very, it's a very biological thing as well. I mean, we were designed, you know, we were designed to identify things that could kill us, that could hurt us, and to be able to, and, and, you know, and fight or flight, right? Well, actually, there's three things, fight, freeze, or flight, but, but we're not being chased by the saber-toothed tiger anymore. And so we make, so our brain basically locks onto anything that we, that we think, you know, it could threaten us. You know, you, you see a little bump on your arm, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but for a lot of people, then all of a sudden, boy, you've got full-blown cancer, you've had to have your arm removed, you know, it's a whole new life. I mean, you're down the road three years before you can even blink. Fear. Your brain will just lock onto it and just and just do all kinds of do all kinds of things to you. I mean, it can be healthy and it can be it can be helpful, right? I mean, if you get in that situation, you get in that situation where you need to where you need to fight or you need to to flee. I mean, that's good. You just let it rip. I mean, let let that biological process take over. But I think, but there's also a sense that we get in those modes even when we're just having discussions about things with coworkers or friends or family. We sort of get in this fight or flight sort of mode because we're already all jacked up on fear. And it just seems to me, you know, in my short life, that right now we, there's just a lot, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot of fear. And not just among communities where there probably always is fear, you know? I mean, we know, uh, we, hear, we hear the stories, especially now, I think, but, but, you know, ever since the civil rights movement, just the stories of, of how we've treated African Americans, of, of the kinds of communities that we help to create to keep them in their place. We know in, we know in, the, in the city of Richmond, and we know in this metropolitan area, that the city was really designed to keep people, those people, in a certain place in the city. It's no mistake that 64, 95 go where they go. If you, if you look at it, you realize 95 goes like this, 64 goes like this, and guess what's down here? The James River. We've made this nice little box, and all of the housing projects, and what we now euphemistically call the Richmond City Justice Center, the city jail, are all in that box. Every single one of them. Intentional. Intentional. Because of fear in some ways, I think. Because of fear, because we misunderstand people. We don't, we don't, because that's what fear does. Fear, fear makes us close in. Fear, fear, fear makes us pull back. Fear disinforms. It doesn't inform 
it disfigures, you know? It, it makes things out to, to be different than they are. Um, it just makes things take on a cast and a color that aren't really true. And it's easy to get hooked by it. It's easy to get pulled away by it. I mean, I, I you know, uh, I'll never forget, just as, as a short story, I was in this building by myself one day. And I was just checking things, walking around, and this is a 40,000 square foot building. That's usable space, and there's a bunch of sub-basements here that are scary. And, 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 so, I'm, and so I'm downstairs, I'm downstairs, and, I can, and I, can, I can hear this noise in one of the sub-basements. And it's like somebody's shuffling their feet. And I'm like, and my heart rate is just... I'm in here by myself, so... So I've got a friend who works at a business right over here about a block away, and so I call him, and I start talking really loud. I'm like, I'm down in the basement, and I think there's somebody down here. I'm getting a big piece of iron, and if they are in there, I'm going to beat them. <laughs> right? And all I hear, and then I hear, like they'd moved, right? So I'm like, okay, um, if, uh, if I stop talking to you for more than 30 seconds, call 911. Right? So I walk into the sub-basement. There's a piece of plastic <laughs> that's been over a window, and the wind's blowing it up against the door. And it just randomly, when the breeze can come in, and it goes, and then it'll go, fear. I was ready to beat somebody. <laughs> Not my nature, usually, but... You know, Mr. Tough Guy. But, but fear misinforms, right? You, you, you take in this input and, and, you, and you make a meaning of it. You make, you make a decision about it that is, just isn't true. Like nobody was in the building except for me and my fear. And my fear created a scenario that was just as real to me as, you know, anything. It's sort of scary. And so Jesus, at the very start of this passage, I just, it's, do not be afraid, little flock. Does that not sound like a mother? Just, you know, don't be afraid, little one. Don't be afraid, little one. Mommy's here. Daddy's here. You know? We're going to do everything we can to protect you. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful phrase. So intimate. So intimate. We, you know, Jesus, we have these times when we, we get this glimpse into Jesus' you know, that, that, the human part of Jesus, you know? But this is really the human and the divine coming together because then, then Jesus says, you know, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. And what Jesus is talking about here is about this, this thing he's, he's been talking about is that there's this kingdom and it is already among you. You just can't see it yet. You've been living by these rules and these procedures and these laws and these ways that were supposed to help you see the kingdom, but now they're blinding you from the kingdom But God wants to give it to you. You don't have to earn it. In a sense, God already has 
made you an owner in this kingdom. And this kingdom, this kingdom is a place of faith, not of fear. Kingdom is a place of faith, not of fear. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is a place of faith, not of fear. It's a place where, where God has set everything right. Where all of the injustices all of the ways that we have intentionally hurt each other are reconciled and redeemed. It is a place where even the ground that has been barren, like a woman's womb, is made fruitful and able to bear fruit. It is a place where people understand each other and interact with each other in powerful ways, because we know each other in the deepest way, because we know each other in Christ. That's the kingdom he's talking about. And Jesus says, it's, he, God wants to give it to you, and in fact, it's already among you, it's just that it's not in its fullness yet. And I want you to be people who are people of faith, like Abraham. Like I told the kids, can you imagine... I mean, just think about that. Abraham, God, God comes to Abraham, or Abraham receives this vision, and it's like, oh, God says, go, go from the place where you are, go to another place, and it's a place I'm going to show you. You can't see it. It's a place I'm going to show you, and, and I promise, I promise it's going to be awesome. Right? Imagine him going to Sarah. Hey, Sarah, I got a vision from God. Um, we're just going to pack up. We're just going to start heading down the road, and God's going to take us where we're going to go. What do you think she thought about that? Um, how much did you have to drink last night? Uh, were you, you, ha- you know, hanging out with the sheep herders a little too long? I mean, what, what's the... Crazy. That's fear talking, you know. But Abraham is one of those models of faith. And, and again, that's what I love about the Bible is he's real. There's, if you read the story of Abraham, I mean, he's not perfect in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you know, but he... But he continues to follow God, and God is continually faithful to Abraham. He gives him what he promises. And he leads him along the way. Even Abraham does some really stupid stuff. <laughs> and he blesses Abraham and Sarah, and, 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 and he makes Sarah's womb, which had been barren, he makes it fruitful. Even at a late age, I mean, God just does these amazing things when we walk out in faith, when we trust what's going on. Hebrews says that faith is um, the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. It's one thing to hope for something, right? Oh, I hope this happens, I hope that. But when you're assured, when you know that that's what's coming, that makes you move in a whole different way, doesn't it? I mean, when you know that finish line is within sight, it is a lot easier after 26.15 miles to get to the end. At mile 20, 
you're not thinking so much. At, but then, you, you can see it, you finally, you finally envision it, you know it's there. But even at mile 20, you know it's there, so you're like, I can, I'm, go, I'm going there. I can get there. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so when we have faith, when we begin to trust in this kingdom that God's talking about, we then begin to want to move everything that we are and everything that we have into that camp as a hedge against fear in some ways. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, right? We begin to move all of our treasure, all of our time, our talents, our resources in, into the camp of the kingdom. Living with faith as if it's already here in place. We're going to live as if it's already here. We're going to work as if it's already here. We're going to talk to people as if it's already here. We're going to live our lives as if it's already here. As if everyone has value. As if everyone deserves a chance. As if everyone deserves love. As if everyone deserves redemption. We're going to live that way. We're going to put our resources in that camp. We're going to put our time in that camp. We're going to do everything we can to move for that because our faith says that is more real than what the fear is telling us. Because fear closes us down and faith opens us up. Faith opens us up. If you're afraid that someone is going to reject you, if you're going into a new situation, you're going to close down. But if you have faith and you say, well, I'm just going to accept everybody that I meet here, it opens you up. Fear shuts down. It says, stop, don't go any further, quit. Faith starts up. You know what? Let's give this a shot. Let's try this and see what happens. If it doesn't work, we'll do something else. That's faith. Fear deforms. It makes other people into caricatures of themselves. You know, when we, we, we throw about these things, the Muslims, the black people, the immigrants, the illegal immigrants, the, when we throw out these blanket things, it deforms us, you know, the police, the man, those white people, you know, when we do that, it deforms the person. But faith forms us doesn't it? When we put our treasure where we want our heart to be, when we begin to do that, when we're in the scripture, when we're in worship, when we're serving and giving, when we're loving, we get formed in a different way. We become different people. We become the people that God always knew we could be. We become the people that Jesus told us that we are, beloved children of God. We show forth the kingdom as we move forward in faith. Fear disinforms and faith informs. This is my favorite one that I made up this morning. Fear conspires. You know all those conspiracy theories? It's all, it's fear. It's fear. What do you think the correlation is? Faith? Yes! Faith inspires. Inspire means in the spirit. Faith inspires. 
When we, when we have faith, we are in the Spirit because here's the promise. In your baptism, you were given the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. The power of life and of death, the Spirit that moved over the watery chaos and brought everything into being, the Spirit that sustains all things, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and me. It's in our community when we come together. It's an unstoppable force. And yet, because of our fear, we act like we can't do anything. And so every month, we're looking at our Wells Fargo balance and worrying about it. Well, I worry about mine too. But when we put our feet where our faith is, we begin to not worry about those things. We, we, we take care of that business, but we move forward in faith. Jesus says, sell your possessions, give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven. And I, I'm, I've been trying to disabuse our congregation of this notion that heaven is somewhere up there, out there. Heaven is here. It's just a reality that we is not in its fullness yet. The kingdom is here. That's really what we're talking about, kingdom of heaven. It's here. It's just not in its fullness yet. It's here, and it's not yet fully here. That's something we've got to figure out. That's faith in trusting that. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes and no moth destroys. And so he, he continues to go on and say, so be ready. You know, be ready. And, and my thing was, is, is like, we're... There are a lot of people who are getting ready for something right now, but what are they getting ready for? I love this. Costco, Costco has bought into this thing for I don't know what it, what it is. It's like a thousand bucks. You can get you can get your food, your prepper food, your doomsday prepper food. Like you have enough freeze dried food for like three months. Costco, I'm like wow, we are afraid. We are afraid. Jesus says, be ready, but he's not like, be ready with the doors locked and your guns loaded. That's not what he's talking about. He's like, be ready, like be looking out the door because something's coming. I'm coming. I'm coming and I'm going to bring in this kingdom. It is coming. It may, you, you know, again, like that, like that finish line, it may be far off. You may not be able to see it, but it's coming. I promise you, it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are not, as Christians, people who are judgmental, who are angry, who are fearful, who are trying to control things. And here's why. Because we have faith. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who created all of this, who sustain all of this, who gave us our lives and give us everything that we need, that that's the one who's in control. That that's the one who's overseeing all of this. And it is God's good pleasure, little flock, to give you the kingdom. So may you have faith the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. May it not just be a comfort to you, 
but may it challenge you to step out, to open up, to start up, to be formed, to inform, and to be inspired. In the name of Jesus, amen.